Blue Wire. The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh, here comes Bosa! The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest edition of the Powder Blue Review Podcast, powered by Blue Wire Pods. As always, I am your host, Michael Peterson. This is episode 14 of the podcast. Still happy to be here, as always. Uh, Guys, today we have some news. We have some crazy NFL news that dropped on Sunday evening in the middle of the Chargers preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks. It actually took us away from the game a little bit, depending on uh, what channel or what station you were watching the game on. But today, guys, we're going to go on and recap the Chargers' loss to the Seattle Seahawks 23-15 in preseason week three. Uh, We're going to go over the absolute bombshell of a news drop of Andrew Luck retiring from the NFL at age 29, what that means for the Colts, what it means for the Chargers when they play the Colts in week one, how's the outlook of that game changed uh, before that uh, game gets here. And we're going to go over uh, much smaller news, as in the uh, signing of Dontrell Inman again by the Chargers. Brings another reliable, familiar face to the fold uh, in such a pivotal year for Phillip Rivers and the team. And we're going to finish out with a preview of the team's final preseason game against San Francisco 49ers. This is obviously a huge game. We'll go into some position battles that I think I'll be watching closely, which ones are really going to come down to the wire um, of this week's game on Thursday and just a lot of good stuff to go over, guys. And uh, I never like to make you wait any longer than you have to. So let's get right into the show. The Chargers dropped to 0-3 this preseason against the Seattle Seahawks. Dropped to 23-15. to And guys, I'm not going to lie about this one. This was a very underwhelming game, to say the least. Until Easton Stick came into the game as the third quarterback on the night, there really wasn't much to write home about. Tyrod Taylor did a few good things. The running game was absolutely abysmal, honestly, from start to finish. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But again, it really wasn't much to write home about. It was a little exhausting to watch, especially if you're on the East Coast like me, and it, the game didn't start till 10 p.m. But uh, we're going to touch on some notes, kind of who stood out a little bit, who didn't. But first and foremost, I would say the quarterback group was definitely the highlight of the night. Tyrod Taylor was efficient, 6 of 9, 61 yards, also had 6 carries for 34 yards. Carries, scrambles, uh, is probably the better word for it. But again, he kind of looked a little more similar to how he did in the first preseason game, extending some plays, uh, extending some drives, moving the chains with his feet. It's kind of what we come to know with Tyrod Taylor. So he looked exactly like we would want him to look in a preseason game. Uh, Next up after him, following his wonderful performance where he threw for over 100 yards and a touchdown in preseason week two was Cardale Jones. Finished the night much quieter, but just as efficient as uh, he was the week prior. He finished four of five for an even 50 yards, made some good plays. I know he had uh, a short drive, but he was able to get the team out from the shadow of their own uh, goalpost and looked pretty good until that one stalled out. But he really didn't get much... uh, you know, leeway in the terms of uh, production. He didn't he only threw five passes, obviously. He didn't scramble, didn't do much of anything, just kind of uh, handed the ball off a little bit. But the Chargers were um, outmatched in terms of number of plays per team. They only had, I think they had, it had to be like 15 to 20 less plays ran than the Seattle Seahawks did. So we really didn't get to see much of Cardale Jones. Probably going to see an absolute ton of him in uh, the final game of the preseason. 
Then we go over to Easton Stick, who had the best night for a QB again. And, and, and this looked like the best of Stick that we've seen this preseason. He looked like that week one Easton Stick just didn't have the head scratcher of an interception. Uh, it was his first game. Obviously, he threw an interception in, in game one and game two. But this week, he finished... Fairly efficient as well at 12 of 16 for 82 yards and an awesome touchdown that he found Andre Patton in the corner of the end zone. He also scrambled three times for 14 yards and actually it was a designed QB run. It was a read option near the goal line and he ran for, I think it was a three yard touchdown. Again, showing off the versatility that the team will possibly covet in the future with him being a dual threat quarterback. Um, it was beautiful. He had 106, 106.8 quarterback rating on the night, second best to Cardale Jones, 108.3. Uh, Tyrod Taylor finished with a respectable 85.9 QBR on the evening. For the third straight game, the running back group certainly underwhelmed once again. Uh, they totaled 14 carries for 51 yards, which comes out to about 3.6 yards per carry. Um, they did a little bit through the air. Austin Eckler had two catches for 22 yards. Um, Jackson and Pope, however, took one for four yards, three for eight yards, respectively. Pope actually led all running backs in yards with 27 on five carries, giving him the only running back to uh, have over four yards per carry on the night, along of 18 yards. So aside again from that big pop, Pope wasn't really that efficient either. I think one of the biggest surprises of this group obviously has been the lack of anything really in terms of production, big plays, splash plays. Uh, that offensive line is obviously killing that situation. But I'll tell you what, Dietrez Newsome failing to receive a single carry is still super surprising to me. And I really want to know kind of what's going on. Is he just having a bad camp? Is Pope just having that much better of a camp? Because Pope's been kind of like the main guy this preseason in the same way that Dietrez Newsome was that guy last season. Dietrez Newsome led the team in carries, I think touches, rushing yards. Uh, all of that during last year's preseason, and Pope's looking to be that guy this year. But I want to know just more, obviously, what's going on. Is Detroit Newsom really having that bad of a camp? Is he screwing up a ton? It's not like we've seen him screw up in the actual preseason games. He's just not getting uh, any sort of, you know, touches any amount of touches, any significant amount of touches, uh, and that kind of sucks. I'm a big Detroit Newsom fan. I thought. Without Melvin Gordon, we get to see a lot more of him during the regular season, and especially during at least the early parts of camp. Newsom was getting some run with the first-team offense behind Eckler and Jackson. I think I spoke to ESPN's Eric D. Williams about the situation. You know, we know Eckler and Jackson have been splitting the carries 50-50. Well, just how is Newsom looking? Is he getting mostly twos? And he goes, No, Newsom's actually been getting. Plenty of run with the ones. I mean, significant amount to think that he would play a part in this offense uh, in 2019, but that just doesn't seem to be the case. Maybe the team is favoring Pope now that they've seen that Pope can be more of a contributor on special teams, but at the same time, Desmond King is going to be the kick and punt returner for the team during the regular season, so I don't know why they would see Pope um, having value in that area and something that he's probably not going to be in. So uh, I'm just confused about the whole situation. I don't know how you guys feel about it. You can hit me up on Twitter about that again, at Zone Tracks uh, on the Twitter. But super curious, curious into that situation. I love Dietrez Newsome um, and just kind of want a little more light shown on that situation. But maybe we'll see that light shown in, in game four. I'm not entirely sure, but that's just the hope as of right now. Prior to the preseason, some of the most interesting and, and looked after position battles on this team were, were definitely offensive tackle, uh, linebackers was one, and wide receivers. But it's been a fairly underwhelming 
uh, preseason for the wide receivers as well. When you look at the numbers, you thought there was going to be a big battle between Jeremy Davis and Artavis Scott for kind of that last one or maybe two spots on the roster. But as it stands, Andre Patton's kind of you know made a claim. He has two touchdowns this preseason, and uh, one in the, in the week two, one just this past Sunday from Easton Stick. So he's looking really good. But other than the touchdown catches, he hasn't done too much either. He's probably, I think, second in catches and uh, yards behind Artavis Scott. But just this past Sunday, Scott kind of had the game we were waiting for. And his final line was uh, a team lead in receptions and receiving yards. He caught all four of his targets for 66 yards. And I think he had another big chunk game that was uh, brushed away by a flag. But this was kind of the game we wanted from Artavis Scott. Finally, uh, one of these receivers to really pop off and show that he can stake his claim as uh, producing, you know, active receiver in this lineup. And I think he had it. Um, besides Scott, again, Patton had this nifty touchdown. It wasn't so much, excuse me, so much a back shoulder fade from Easton Stick, but uh, Stick kind of broke out of the pocket, was scrambling to his right, and he saw an angle that if he threw it behind the defender who had a step for some reason on Andre Patton heading in that same direction towards the sideline, that Patton would be able to kind of stop, turn, and catch it behind the defender in a way the defender could not in his own way, stick his foot in the ground and try to defend it. So it was an awesome catch. It's the second touchdown catch of the preseason. So there's, like, at least for me, from my standpoint, Patton and Scott have obviously been the better receivers this preseason than Jeremy Davis. Prior to this preseason and other past preseasons, Jeremy Davis has been one of, if not the best receiver in the preseason. But he just hasn't been that guy uh, through these exhibition contests and Honestly, I would say Davis would be that lone receiver out of the scenario. I think he might be a practice. I don't even know if he's eligible for the practice squad anymore, but I just don't see him being the the receiver with the highest upside to keep on the final 53. I think that his upside and his value comes from his special team prowess, where he told the media already, I think it was Eric Williams of ESPN, that he wanted to lead uh, the team in special teams tackles. I think last year it was Nick Zubnar who did it with... 11 and davis said that he wanted to beat that he wanted to lead the team in special teams tackles well i think if anything that's what uh davis's role is going to be on the team but why would you keep a receiver who's in no way shape or form going to contribute in the passing game i just don't know i don't think that's the way the team should go and i believe the way that scott and Patton have been playing showing up making plays scoring touchdowns i think you've got to go with those guys from uh just flat out production standpoint. But if you guys recalled uh, Anthony Lynn's quote, I think from this past week of practice, he said, you know, this year's 53 is going to be insanely hard to pick because the quote best 53 isn't always the right 53. And Lynn's a big guy on team chemistry, you know, just the bonds and having the right people in the room for synergistic purposes. But is that the way that this team needs to go? And a lot of people will say, no, that we can't let stuff like this subjective stuff get in the way of fielding the best team just because Lynn and the coaching staff feels like this guy's better, feels like this player, you know, is a better man in the locker room. So therefore, he's going to make the team better. I am all for teams picking good locker room guys. I know when I was still playing, I tried to be a really good locker room guy. I enjoyed these, quote, 
good locker room personalities. But at the end of the day, you still need good players. And I mean, I'm not saying pick uh, the giant piece of shit, excuse my language, because he's just that much of a baller and we need him. But you've got to pick the best players. And I don't know if I agree with Lynn on his stance about the final 53, but that's how I can see guys like Jeremy Davis making the team over a guy like, I don't think it's going to happen with Artavis Scott, but over an Andre Patton, who's obviously produced uh, at a much more consistent rate than Davis's preseason. And that's why I can see someone like Nick, Nick DeZubner making this team just because he's a special teams ace. You know, I know the Patriots keep, keep a guy like Matthew Slater as a wide receiver for his special teams leadership and just as a team leader. But I don't think this is the case. You know, I think Drew Tranquil and what he's able to do and coming in and playing Mike and running the defense as well as can be a special teams guy if he's not going to play too much in the rotation this year. Uh, I think he replaces Nick DeZubner. But at the same time, because of this quote, I feel like there's going to be one or two guys that will probably have the fan base and a bunch of us shaking our heads saying, Lynn, why are you doing this? And past guys to me who have been those types of people have been Tenny Palapoy, Damien Square for a little bit until he really showed he can produce when given the chance. I mean, there's just guys that are they're loyal to to a fault. And I hope the Chargers don't really do that this year. Um, but I guess, honestly, we'll have to see at the end of the day. I don't know. Finishing up on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to talk about the tight ends and just pretty much how they just showed up when they needed to. But and this is the weirdest thing, by the way. Hunter Henry finished with two catches for 13 yards. Sean Culkin finished with two catches for 13 yards as well. And Virgil Green caught his lone target for 13 yards. And I don't know if that's a bad omen, three straight 13s, but... Um, the one thing I want to point out with these tight ends is that Henry Culkin and Green each caught a pass that went for a first down. They kind of showed up when on third down when the team needed to make a play, someone needed to make a play, they needed to keep the chains moving to keep the drive alive, and they all three did that. And I think that's the type of role that at least some of these backups are going to have to play, you know, complementing uh, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is obviously going to be more of a big play guy um, along with being that reliable target for Philip Rivers on money downs, clutch downs. But again, Colgan's taken some big steps since he's made the team as an undrafted free agent a couple years ago. Virgil Green has been a great addition, not just in run blocking, but again, a guy who can make a clutch play when he needs to. So big ups to the tight end group. Kudos to them for just kind of like not really blowing the top off of anything, but doing exactly what is expected of them and uh, just doing the things that help keep this offense going. And speaking of showing up, it's time for you, your pockets, and that big, beautiful brain of yours to show up every single Sunday when it comes to putting your money down on football. My bookie is the place to bet on football every single weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash blue wire to sign up this year. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid. 
Turning to the defensive side of the ball, just some quick notes. Not too many standouts uh, in the traditional sense, but Drew Tranquil once again led the team in total tackles with nine. Um, still out there playing awesome for a rookie at such an uh, important position as the Mike linebacker, looking really, really good. And, and that just feels so good to see. Uh, knowing that there is a young player who can come in and probably still play at a high level if injuries were once again to pile up at the linebacker position. Uh, undrafted free agent, defensive end, outside linebacker Chris Peace from Virginia had the only sack of the night for the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think this guy is making the team. I've talked to my fellow writers over at Bolts from the Blue, over at SB Nation, and we all think Peace is might really make this team. He's definitely going to be one of uh, the undrafted free agents who's going to keep this streak of, I think it's at 22 straight years the Chargers have kept uh, a UDFA. But I think this guy has tremendous upside and is worth the look possibly over Patrick Afriye from Colgate, who's been uh, with the team at least the last two years, who primarily has been the backup to Melvin Ingram at the Leo position. Um, I think as things are standing uh, and what we've seen from Chenna Nwosu, he is going to be the primary backup to Melvin Ingram at Leo. Also as maybe a sub, you know, co-starter at the auto position slash Sam linebacker. I don't know. There's so many different positions that, you know, there's 11 spots on defense, but there's going to be maybe like 14 starters, depending on just how you view Gus Bradley's defense and, and kind of how that's going to go. But I like Chris Peace. Uh, I think this is second two and a half sacks, maybe this preseason, something along those lines. Um, I think he's a guy, as well as Anthony Lanier, uh, who's a former Washington Redskin, had five sacks with them a couple years ago. He's from Savannah, believe it or not, which is where I live right now, Savannah, Georgia. Was a former, I believe, Alabama State player. Um, he's making some good plays, guys. 6'6", 200, and I believe 80 pounds. Uh, he's a good-looking base end to have behind uh, if they want to keep three defensive ends, uh, you know, besides Bosa uh, and Rochelle. Four defensive linemen, all backups, logged tackle for loss against the Seahawks. Those were Isaac Rochelle, Patrick Afriye, uh, the aforementioned Peace, and Lanier. Des King and Rayshon Jenkins both logged really impressive pass breakups. Rayshon, I think, was beat, uh, had a step or two from Tyler Lockett, which would have been a huge gain, possibly a touchdown, but Rayshon kind of came out of nowhere, and this dude can leap. This dude can jump. If you haven't seen any of his uh, Instagram videos of him doing box jumps or anything, this guy has some hops. So he hopped out of absolutely nowhere to break up this pass. Um, super impressive, and Desmond King also almost came away with an interception, I believe, on Geno Smith in the end zone. Just unfortunately went through his hands. It just fell to the ground. It was a big stop, though, I believe on third or fourth down, and uh, he got away with the pass breakup. But Des King played a lot last night and essentially did what we all expect him to do when he is on the field. Last thing to mention about the defense, uh, Denzel Perryman entered the game much earlier than he did prior weeks uh, of this preseason. Uh, I think the first game he came in during the fourth quarter, I think against the, uh, who was it, the Saints. Uh, he came in sometime in the third quarter, and I think he showed up in the first quarter this time around. And um, I'm not sure if that completely means that he's just going to go straight to being uh, the incumbent starter at middle linebacker. I know Kaiser White started his third straight game at the mic. Um, that's, again, something I think a lot of people should look into. Uh, I'm not sure if they're really going to play a ton in the fourth game, but I think there might be a surprise or two on the defensive lineup once week one against the Colts rolls around. So now diving into, obviously, the biggest news of the weekend might actually be the biggest news drop of the entire NFL season. Andrew Luck officially retired Sunday evening, excuse me, Saturday evening, 
for at the age of 29. He will not play football this year. He will not play football for the Colts, likely, or anybody ever again. So, obviously, the first thing that Chargers fans are going to think about is, awesome, we do not have to play Andrew Luck in the first week of the regular season. Might as well just pencil that as a win. Well, I don't know if it's that cut and dry. I don't know if it's that black and white, that without Andrew Luck, it's a surefire win, you know? Their backup, now the starter, is going to be going to be Jacoby Brissett, former North Carolina State quarterback, just like old man Rivers here. So that'll be a fun little theme to play on. But he's a good backup, if not one of the top backups in the entire league. I think Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, said that Brissett is a top 20 quarterback in the NFL right now. And by that standard, meaning that Jacoby Brissett is one of the top quarterbacks in the entire NFL if we're taking the top 32 again, kind of as that group. So uh, who is Jacoby Brissett? Who is this guy that uh, the Chargers are going to face likely in week one? Well, he's 6'4", about 235 pounds, big, big quarterback. Um, In his lone season as a starter in 2017, in place of Andrew Luck, uh, he threw for just under 3,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. So... Not really anything, again, to write home about, but the guy is good, and especially in the right scenario with the right people around him, he can be successful. I know in 2016, as a rookie, um, Bill Belichick, when Brissett was still with the New England Patriots, went out and won a game with uh, Brissett as the starter when Brady and Garoppolo both went down to injuries. I think they beat the Houston Texans on Thursday Night Football uh, 17-0. to uh, Brissett had like a 31-yard, 20-something-yard touchdown run. Um, and for a guy who only ran a 4-9-yard, 4-9-4-40-yard dash, um, that's impressive. And so Brissett is not fast, but he is mobile. He can extend plays. Uh, he's a big-body guy who you know is going to be not the hardest thing to, to sack in the backfield. Um, he's going to be formidable, and especially when you think of the weapons – uh, the offensive skill positions, the offensive line that he has protecting him, one of the best in the league, going from one of the worst to one of the best from six or from 17 to 18. I mean, there's still a lot of things that the Chargers have to worry about. And this is also a, a defense that's up and coming. So looking at some of the weapons, I mean, this guy's got obviously T.Y. Hilton, one of the most underappreciated receivers in the entire NFL. You've got uh, Eric Ebron, breakout candidate at tight end from a year prior. Um, Jack Doyle, one of the most consistent uh, receiving tight ends and blocking tight ends, just one of the most well-balanced tight ends in the NFL. Uh, Devin Funches coming over in in free agency from the Carolina Panthers, another 6'4 target from the University of Michigan for Brissett and Paris Campbell, the dynamic rookie that the team drafted in the second round out of Ohio State. He's going to be not so much of a a clear-cut outside wide receiver threat, but will be in the slot, will be outside, maybe in the backfield once or twice. He's kind of that utility guy that, um, you know, synonymous with uh, uh, Percy Harvin, excuse me, I couldn't even think of the name for a little bit. I mean, he's going to be used in a plethora of ways, and he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. Think Curtis Samuel as well, who's with the Panthers now, um, and what he did at Ohio State. I mean, these guys, there's a place for them on a football team, and Paris Campbell is going to be uh, one of those guys and might, might be the most dynamic guy apart from Hilton on the Colts offense. And then looking at the offensive line in the ground game, Marlon Mack uh, was a good running back last year. Uh, I split a little bit of time with Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins a tad, but Marlon Mack's going to be the lead back for the Colts. 
And I think they're going to lean heavily on a ground game, especially out the gate to start the regular season with Mack and that offensive line that is going to be headlined by Quint Nelson, you know, a generational guard prospect, one of my favorite players I've ever watched during the draft process. And Braden Smith, I believe the second team's second round pick, one of their second round picks apart from linebacker Darius Leonard. And I really, really think they're going to lean heavily on that ground game. So and seen, we haven't seen the starters. We haven't seen Ingram, Bosa, Meebane, just a couple. Maybe we've seen Tillery, Justin Jones, Square. Um, but we haven't seen the best of this team, the Chargers, run defense. And they've looked abysmal through the first three games. Looked really bad last night again. They just looked like they were receiving the offensive line's punishment. They were receiving these blocks, and they weren't doing anything about it. Uh, the running backs were finding little tiny holes to spring through. They were all falling forward. It's just really frustrating. And so I don't think the week one game against the Colts is going to be as cut and dry as most people think. But again, time will tell. We'll see what happens. But super excited for the game. I don't think it lessens the the vulnerability that the team has going up against the Colts in week one just because Andrew Luck isn't in the picture anymore. In much smaller news, the Chargers re-signed or just signed again. Uh, wide receiver Dontrell Inman, he spent last season with the Indianapolis Colts. Prior to that, he was with the Bears. And prior to that, he was with the Chargers for a span of four years from 2014 to 2017. Uh, he had career highs in 2016. He had 58 catches for 810 yards and four touchdowns that season. If you guys don't remember, that is the season that Keenan Allen tore his ACL in the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so at that point, the team only had Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, and Dontrell. Inman. And Inman kind of stepped in and was sort of the wide receiver one on this team. I know Tyrell Williams ended up with more yards uh, receiving that year, but Inman was the guy on one wide receiver formation. So when the team you know, brought up the big bodies and was set to run, Inman was the guy on the outside because one, he can trustworthy to, to win one-on-one. And he was also the guy who was probably the best blocking receiver on the team as well. So Another familiar face, a trusted face, again, in a season that uh, isn't going exactly the way that Chargers fans and and the team themselves wanted, Um, but being able to bring in uh, people that have a trusted connection and some chemistry with Phillip Rivers in such a pivotal season is going to be huge. And he's another big body wideout at 6'3", 205 pounds. He still fits the mold of the people that Philip Rivers is used to throwing to guys that he can throw um, jump balls to downfield and trust that they can come down with it. So you have 6'4", Mike Williams, 6'2", Keenan Allen. You have 6'3", Dontrell Inman now to pair with your speedster 5'10", Travis Benjamin. So obviously this means that someone's probably going to be left out. So we're thinking about uh, Jeremy Davis, who we talked about earlier. He's a special teams guy, and there's uh, value to be held in that role. There's Andre Patton, who's probably has the, who's been the best wide receiver this preseason. And you have Artavis Scott, who probably has the highest upside of any of the young wide receivers. Well, who's going to be left out? And we talked touched on it a little bit earlier that I think that guy might be Jeremy Davis. I don't think uh, with Dontrell Inman, so that takes four receivers. If they're keeping six wide receivers. Uh, right, let me just do this math real quick. Allen Williams, Travis Benjamin, um, Dontrell Inman. They're probably only going to keep two of these three. So who is going to be the odd man out? Again, I honestly think it's Davis, or at least I think it should be Davis. But again, time will tell. It definitely keeps things interesting. And you know, we'll see who balls out in the final preseason game. Finishing up today's podcast with a quick preview of this week's Los Angeles Chargers versus San Francisco 49ers finale in the preseason. Guys, this game probably means a lot 
for a lot of the UDFAs this year, so definitely for some roster bubble guys, um, positions to be looking at. You've got the quarterback three battle. You know, Easton Sticks been playing, I think, collectively better than Cardale Jones has. And, and obviously, Cardale Jones has been in this system for, I think this is his third year now. And Stick was just picked as the team's fifth-round draft pick in the 2019 draft. I don't know why they would take Jones over Stick, because I don't think Stick's making it uh, through waiver wire onto the practice squad. But that is something to look into. Lynn has kind of kept his cards close in terms of what he's doing there. So number one position battle look forward to quarterback. Second, I'd like to see how the linebackers again are shaping up. Um, will Chris Peace make it as an undrafted free agent, uh, kind of as another pass rusher? Um, is Emeki Egbele going to continue to uh, play a little bit of that Otto, that Leo position as well? Is he going to make the team? Is Zubnar going to be replaced by Drew Tranquil? I mean, there's a couple things uh, going at the linebacker position as well. And again, we've talked about it quite a few times this podcast, but wide receivers. Dontrell Inman comes in. Uh, who's going to make it? If the team does decide to keep six wide receivers, Davis Patton or Artavis Scott, you know, they're not all going to make it. I think maybe two of those guys are going to to probably make this roster, but who's the odd man out? They've all got upside. They all play a specific role for this offense, for this team. But is it just going to be special teams uh, prowess? Is it going to be upside? Is it going to be just who did the best this preseason right now? I'm not entirely sure. So quite a few position battles to look forward to. Um, looking at the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy G came back. That's Jimmy Garoppolo, in case you guys were wondering. Um, he came back for uh, the first action since his ACL tear last year and looked pretty horrendous. I think he started 0-5. He had an interception, I think, on his second pass of the day that they took for six. Um, just not looking too hot. The offensive line is still fairly decent. Uh, all their running backs are fairly productive. McKinnon's not looking too hot. He's not playing this preseason, may not even start the season. Um, okay. Might end up on IR before week one, but you've got, uh, Tevin Coleman coming over from the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Breda, who's also a huge, huge Uber athlete, super fast. And even Jeff Wilson, their fourth string running back had, uh, um, two touchdowns on the ground, against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, this past Sunday. So a lot of explosive weapons. And you look at the wide receiver group, they just drafted Debo Samuel, a senior bowl standout. Jalen Hurd, who didn't participate at the senior bowl, but you know former huge bruising running back turned wide receiver at Baylor, uh, coming by the way of Tennessee. Had two touchdowns in his first preseason action in week one. Um, on top of Marquise Goodwin, Olympic track speed. Uh, you've got Kendrick Bourne, Richie James, a draft pick from two years ago. Um, a bunch of guys with upside and former Hawkeye George Kittle, a guy I went to college with, is arguably one of the top tight ends in the entire NFL. So tons of offensive firepower. Um, I don't know how many of the starters, again, are going to play in week four. I know a lot of their starters hasn't played, haven't played at all this preseason. I thought I saw something earlier today, a report on, on some of those guys who may just play a little tiny bit prior to the season. I think Kettle and Trent, Kittle excuse me, and Trent Taylor were, were on there, but uh, we will have to see. That'll definitely be against the norm if they do. But then looking to the defensive side of the ball, guys, they're getting some pressure. Um, they've got a bunch of D linemen, some defensive ends that I haven't heard too much of. Demontre Moore, who was a standout um, in the AAF with the San Diego Fleet, I believe. Um, he's with the Niners now, but they haven't had D Ford. They haven't had Nick Bosa. Um, I don't even think DeForest Buckner has been playing either. So uh, they've been getting after the quarterback this preseason, and they haven't even had their starters um, playing whatsoever. So this is a formidable defense, I think, during the regular season. A lot of people are going to be surprised. Uh, by this defense, but it's going to be for the most part 
third stringers, fourth stringers against third stringers and fourth stringers. Um, in the final game of the preseason, dress rehearsal, quote-unquote, for uh, a lot of these undrafted free agents and late-round picks. So um, it's going to be exciting. Again, one more game to to kind of for these young guys to leave it all out there. I'm excited about it, but at the end of the day, the outcome doesn't matter. We're just kind of hoping for some players to really take it upon themselves to stand out um, before week one and final cuts come uh, across this coming weekend. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. Really appreciate you stopping in. Um, regular season almost here. It is almost here. College football just happened as well. Guys, it's a big day. It's a big day. It's a big week. Every single day leading up to the regular season is going to be a big day. I'm excited about it. I can't appreciate you guys enough for coming in every week and listening to me rattle on about this team that we all love so, so very much. So, uh, once again, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That's Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. You can go ahead and follow the Twitter handle of the podcast. That's at PB Review Podcast. And you can follow all of my written work over at SB Nation's Bolts from the blue.com. I do a lot of good stuff over there. And if you do like the podcast, you're obviously going to like what I put down on the internet. Um, obviously, because that's how it goes. So Thank you guys so much once again coming over and listening to this edition of the Powder Blue Review. Um, I'm your host, Michael Peterson, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys this next weekend. Have a good one.